So I initially started for health reasons because that's what appealed to me the most um, back in uh, senior year of uh, high school. So before I graduated, I was doing it for about six days a week, uh, vegan, which, you know, philosophically doesn't make much sense from an ethical perspective because how could you be against animal abuse uh, six days out of the week and then one day just not care? You are listening to Plant Strength Radio. Each week, remarkable stories of plant-based healing, mindfulness, fitness, nutrition, and activism, as told by those with the expressed desire to affect lasting change in our world. Real people, real experiences. Your host, Bobby Lynch. What's going on, guys? And welcome to Plant Strength Radio. I'm your host, Bobby Lynch. And on today's episode, we have Danny, aka Lifting Vegan Logic. He's a vegan activist and online personal trainer who has a passion for nutritional science and moral philosophy. He likes to bring a humorous tone to his activism while upholding logic and reasoning to support the vegan movement through an unbiased and truthful lens. You can find him on Instagram at lifting underscore vegan underscore logic. Welcome, Danny. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, I've been following you for a little bit now on my Instagram, and dude, your posts are just hilarious with the sarcasm <laughs> and stuff that you use. And I just was definitely, you know, like I really need to get you on the show to support so that you can promote everything that you do because I love the the lens that you take. As I just mentioned, you really come from a very unbiased and truthful lens. Um, and I like the humor that you incorporate into it. So I you know, figured it'd be awesome to have you on the show. Yeah, man. I mean. You know, with all the misconceptions and all the bullshit that vegans got to go through, we got to start using humor a bit to cope. And that's one of the reasons why I use sarcasm in a lot of my posts, just because, you know, um, after hearing where to get your protein over and over and over, it just, you got to just start being sarcastic and just like my, my bio literally says protein deficient for life. Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. go to my account and, uh, yeah, just gotta, just gotta play with it. Cause Otherwise, you'll go crazy taking it all so seriously, like all the, the bullshit misconceptions people have. So Yeah, and I mean, that's what life, life is about. It's just about having fun with things and, and just, uh, yeah. But So tell me, how long have you been vegan for? Uh, I'll be at around uh, five years in June. So I went uh, shortly after I graduated high school. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So what ultimately led you to veganism? Uh, so... I, I initially, um, back in like junior year of high school, sophomore year of high school, my brother ended up going vegan uh, for ethical reasons. And, you know, him and I are really tight and so tight that um, he would be so straightforward with me. You know, if I were to come home with, I don't know, like Burger King or something or Chipotle with chicken, he would just be like, yeah, you're a piece of shit. You know, kind of just like directly shaming, but like, I would like laugh about it. You know, I wouldn't get offended. I would just be like, yeah. And I've always known that there was no real justification for, um, that the ethical, um, ramifications of, uh, animal agriculture. So I initially started for health reasons cause that's what appealed to me the most, um, back in, uh, senior year of, uh, high school. So before I graduated, I was doing it for about six days a week, uh, vegan, which, you know, philosophically doesn't make much sense from an ethical perspective because how could you be against animal abuse, uh, six days out of the week and then one day just not care. So um, yeah, so having, a, having a cheat day doesn't really apply to veganism when, right. it, when, it, when it comes to 
cheating and eating animal products. Of course, you can have a cheat day while being vegan and overconsume calories and vegan junk food, but not on the moral side of it. Exactly. It's like cheating on your morals. Uh, It's like that doesn't really apply in the same way that it does with cheating on your diet because there's no actual victim outside of yourself when it comes to cheating on your diet. Like like you think stealing is wrong. So six yeah. or seven days of the week, you don't yeah. steal. And then on Sundays, you just go rob every gas station. Exactly, exactly. Any form of like uh, injustice, you know, like racism, homophobia. It's like, oh yeah, once once a week, you know, I just don't give a fuck. It's like, no, no that's not really how it works. <laughs> right. How it works at least. So yeah, and then um, after a year, I was like, obviously I was learning in that year of six days a week how to be vegan. And um, eventually... I just uh, was watching one of my favorite comedians, um, George Carlin, who is, he wasn't vegan himself. Um, he died in 2008, but he was a very cynical um, kind of comedian. His work was very, I, I want to say like critical of the human species and how we um, destroy like the, the planet, how we kind of um, in, in a way are selfish. And uh, yeah, and I, and I found myself agreeing with him so much. and so much that um you you would think that he was even a vegan but he, he wasn't at the time although i think if he was still alive he would uh certainly have, have gone vegan but once one day i was watching his um one of his stand-ups and he was just talking about humans again and how we you know dominate the planet and exploit its resources and everything including animals and i was like wow how could i sit here so in agreement with what he's saying well once a week just paying for you know animals being systematically bred and exploited and killed for no reason outside of taste pleasure while at the same time you know we we of course we all know about the uh environmental ramifications of animal agriculture so just environmentally and ethically i was like why am i so how could i be so uh in agreement with what he's saying while once a week supporting all these things that are so out of line with what i believe so that cognitive dissonance really uh made me just say one one day like I need to go all in. And of course I knew how to do it because six days a week I was doing it. So at that point I just overnight made it seven days a week and it became a consistent principle that I adhere to. And, uh, yeah. That's awesome. So how, how would you say from a moral standpoint, then do you justify veganism through logic and reasoning? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so when it comes to, um, veganism, right? Like I, I and I, the way I talk to people about it is purely from a logical standpoint. Of course, it depends on who I'm talking to, but because some people are more emotionally um, stimulated as opposed to logically. But I always jump to logic first to just show people that uh, what we're doing to animals, assuming you're not a psychopath, um, um, you, you can't really agree with. And so logically, I justify it in this way. Um, there's this argument that I love to use. It's called the uh, name the trait argument, which is from a vegan YouTuber named Ask Yourself. He's a one of my one of my I would say inspirations in terms of um, critical thinking and and uh, argumentation and moral philosophy. But basically, the argument is called name the trait. And you ask a person, you say, um, "Is it okay to you to kill a cow for food?" Most non-vegans will say, "Yes, I think it's okay to kill a cow for food." And then you ask them, "Is it okay to kill a, a human being for food?" And they're going to say, "No." And What's implicit in that series of answers is that there's a moral difference between the two situations where it's okay to do it to the cow, but not to do it to the human. So you follow up by asking them to name the trait or set of traits, because you know it could be multiple things about the cow, 
So name the trait or set of traits that justifies killing the cow that is, of course, present in the cow, which if we're present in a human being would make it okay to kill a human being. So at face value, um, people hear people's emotions, you know, they kind of hear this argument and they, the first thing they think is, oh, you're just equating the moral value of humans and animals. But if you actually listen closely to what the question is asking, it's just a consistency test. It's not equating humans and animals. It's just saying, what is the specific trait about a cow that makes it okay to kill him for food? So if somebody names the trait lower intelligence, and you know, of course, lower intelligence is a very broad um, trait to name. So you know, I usually follow up by asking, what do you mean by lower intelligence? They might say something like, uh, the cow does not have a sense of tomorrow or cows don't have moral agency. They don't have a, a, the cognitive capacity to understand the concepts of morality. You just say, okay, so what if we have a, spe a specific human that, uh, that uh, has that trait? So like, you know, there's certain mentally disabled humans that don't have that trait or even babies you can bring up as well as, as a human that possesses the trait that they're saying justifies killing a cow. And if that person is going to deny the reasoning when it's applied to a human while, while accepting it in the cow context, it is a, an inconsistent position. So that is, how, that is why I'm vegan, because I can't answer this question in a way that is logically, logically consistent. So um, yeah, so it, that's how I usually approach it. You know, I just start with the logic test, because when it comes to veganism, you know, you can get in so many tangents and so many um, side arguments. So this one kind of just jumps to the jumps to the uh, the main point, and you end up finding out that like yeah, you can't really justify it. You know, and there's plenty of differences people will name. You know, there's there's um like one time somebody said um, cows can't talk, so they're saying that the trait that makes it okay to kill a cow, which if we're present in a human, is not being able to talk. So then you just bring up like mute human beings. Those people exist. Is it okay to now kill a mute human being? And of course, they're not going to say yes. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's how I logically um, argue veganism. There's other ways to do it, of course. You can start talking about the slaughterhouse footage and how terrible things are. You can take a more pathos approach. But when I talk to people, I normally start with logos and logic because uh, vegans often get accused of just appealing to pathos and emotion and call it like emotional manipulation. So Instead of starting with pathos, I start with logic. I get them to understand, understand that logically they can't justify it. And then I go to pathos because if I start going to pathos and they start saying something like, oh, you're just trying to manipulate my emotions. It's like, well, we just established before this that you logically agree with veganism. So no, I'm not just using emotion to, to get you to go vegan. So that's how I um, logically um, justify being vegan. I know that was a bit long, but I think there's a lot of ground to cover. I think this is a very complex topic. and. Um, yeah, and just it's in my opinion one of the best ways to uh, to um, be an activist. So yeah, no, I think that's definitely a great approach because when I tend to have debates with people, whether it's about veganism or not, I always like to use logic. It's like one plus one is two. How can we how can we get there? And right. when you start showing people that one plus one equals two and their answer is three or four and it's five right obviously on a on a on a on a broad scheme just kind of using that or using logic and they start realizing wow i'm actually wrong and they start realizing the inconsistencies within their own arguments you just start breaking it down to a very base level that's why i said 
one plus one is two on that base level. But if they, if you ask them a question and they say three or four, and you're like, well, that's not actually the case, they kind of see that the inconsistencies in their own logic. And they really, it's almost like they don't have anything to argue against. And again, that's whether it's veganism or whether anything else. Um, so I think totally. that's a really good, I think that's a really good approach because like you said, a lot of the times people want to accuse vegans of being quote unquote extreme when they show them the truth of the animal agriculture industry, really there's nothing extreme about what we're doing. We're just exposing you the truth. And if you're seeing the process of what goes into your food being produced, if you find that extreme or too graphic or hard to watch, maybe you probably shouldn't be eating what you're eating then if we want to just talk on that level. Um, But I do think that's a really, really nice, unique approach that I don't honestly see a lot of people take to veganism is breaking down that logic and that name the trait argument. That is definitely something that is new to me. Um, and I'm going to be using that going forward. Yeah, man, it's, it's great. And it's, and it's very, um, Socratic based. I mean, like when you start talking to somebody about veganism and you begin with questions, it feels like much less of an attack. Uh, and also when you really think about what's going on with the name, the name, the trait argument, you're, taking a person's own subjective morals and using it against them. So um, a lot of times vegans are also accused of imposing our values on people. But through this line of questioning and the name the trade argument, you're not applying, you're not imposing your own values. You're actually imposing the person's own values on themselves. So it also um, makes you avoid. So it makes you avoid two things, you know, when you use this, this, uh, this tactic, which is number one, it avoids you from being accurately accused of just using emotion and pathos to manipulate people into going vegan. And number two, it um, prevents you from, from a person accurately accusing you of uh, imposing your values on vegans, which is something that people use all the time to dismiss um, our arguments. You know, they often will parallel what we do with um, like uh, mi- Christian mis- missionaries or religious people that want you to join their religion. But the difference between those two situations is that religious people and no offense to religious people, by the way. I'm just I'm just showing that this that they're not analogous to what um, omnivores will say or non-vegans will say about us. But in the case of missionaries, they're trying to actually impose their values on you. While in the case of veganism, we're we're actually imposing people's own values on themselves already that they already hold um, for uh, animals. So yeah, so that that's that's just another thing I'd like to say too. Like where how how we are void of being accused of um or accurately accused of imposing our values on others because the argument has nothing to do with our values. It's to do with a person's own uh, values. So. So, so tell me a little bit more about that. You said, you mentioned the Socratic method and I am I'm somewhat familiar with that is like you said, kind of breaking it down to the own, someone's own values and then showing them how their values aren't aligned with what right. they actually believe or their actions aren't aligned with what their values are. Right. So yeah, it's a, the Socratic method is essentially just, um, making your point via, uh, questions. So instead of going up to a person and saying like, what you're doing is wrong, blah, blah, blah. You can ask them a question and then another question. And then another question, which you saw me like demonstrate when I was explaining the trait, and you find loopholes in the logical structure of people's morals. And if you can point them out, you can almost plant a seed or let them know that they need to go back to the drawing board. That's a, that's a term people used in the moral philosophy community. It means, it means to like to go back to the drawing board is to go back to the drawing board and, and reevaluate what your values are because there's actually a contradiction 
a logical contradiction within your morals. So, um, so it, it makes people have to get very like introspective and, and look deep within and, and ask themselves like, what do they value? Because a lot of people also just don't even think about this stuff. So the Socratic method and asking questions makes people, you know, internally question themselves as well. And uh, it's just uh, it's a really nice process that doesn't feel like an attack, more of like a an opening of of ideas and things that they haven't even thought about. So. Yeah. So that, that's the best way you feel to promote veganism is using the Socratic method. Yeah, totally. I mean, it, going into a, a meat shop and yelling like meat is murder and, and uh, you know, people from uh, other activist groups going into like McDonald's and pouring blood on themselves and just doing all this like very, um, I'll, call it, I'll call it extreme, but it, it's more so um, just, I feel a just a not, it's just not an effective way because of how complex I think the vegan message is and the topic. It is something that is going against tens of years, uh, multiple years of, uh, of conditioning. So understanding why um, veganism is a moral obligation, according to most people's ethical standards, is a complex process. Like It requires a series of questions. You have to really dig deep. And uh, you know the, the meat, dairy, and egg industry have done a really good job of making us feel like what we're doing when we pay for animal products is moral. Um, you know, there's so many justifications people will use. So it's a, it's a process. You can't just go into a, house, a steakhouse and say meat is murder and expect people to, to just understand like, Oh, I guess, I guess I should be vegan. Like, you know, they're going to start saying things like, Oh, it's food. It's this and that. And then you have to get, and that's, that's where the name, the trade argument comes in. And you have to be like, so what do you, like, what do you mean it's food? Like, uh, like, so humans are food too. Is that okay to kill humans? Like, you know, so there's, so you have to break things down with people and, you can't just like use use a, a slogan and think people are going to be convinced. It's a it's a very complex topic that requires a, a line of questioning and and one on one conversations. So I think that's short, a really would, great uh, approach. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's a really great approach because I do see when activists take the alternative approach of just being very straightforward and saying meat is murder and doing some crazy things like going into McDonald's, as you said, or going into a steakhouse and just putting on a big demonstration. The problem that I see with that is the conditioning. I remember not being vegan myself and just not being connected and just really being very unaware of what I was contributing to and really not even thinking deeply into what my morals were because me personally I've always considered myself an animal lover but I just never equated to what I was eating was once a living sentient being Mm -hmm. I just didn't make that connection and I feel a lot of people won't make that connection and having people who come in and just throw some crazy stuff at them is going to make them put up walls Oh yeah. And the goal is to break down those walls and break down that conditioning. So I, I really like that approach. And you also the Socratic method approach, which you also use humor and sarcasm in your yeah. activism. Why do you feel that's a great approach as well? Yeah, well, um, so I, I think it gives a bit more of a looser um perspective or a looser kind of feel to my activism. Uh I've gotten a lot of DMs from people saying, like, oh, like your activism makes vegans look a bit more like down to earth and, uh, and not so militant and extreme. It shows that like, you know, we can have a sense of humor too. Um, and also, like I said earlier, I think humor is a great coping mechanism for vegans as well. So 
vegans as will message me as well, not just non-vegans that will say something like, um, you know, all your, your humorous posts like really help me out. Like I have no vegan friends. I have no, um, no, nobody in my close quarters that's vegan. So like, it's always nice to just see your posts, like making fun of the nonsense we have to hear on a daily basis and things like that. So, so, you know, for two reasons, I mean, number one, to, to just feel a bit more down to earth seeming to non-vegans and see that like, we're like, we can handle like jokes. We can, you know, I joke about how I'm, I'm like a, like a walking corpse on Instagram all the time. If I post like a, a gym selfie where the, like the, not to be like narcissistic here, but like, you know, where the, where the gains are like pretty clear, you know, I'll, I'll throw in a caption about how I, I fainted like seven times at the gym that day, you know, something, something, uh, just completely ridiculous. Uh, and people will be like, Oh, why is that the case? You're clearly, you clearly look like you're not malnourished. And it, it, it just make it pokes fun at the, the misconception and the, the ridiculousness of thinking that vegans are inherently malnourished. Right. And then of course, uh, vegans will see those, those, uh, captions and it's just like a little sarcasm to make them feel better about the shit they're dealing with. And, uh, yeah. So I think it's so funny that, yeah, it's funny that you say stuff like that too, because you have to think when you're younger, your parents and doctors, they always say, eat your fruits and vegetables. You need your fruits and vegetables to be healthy. And then when you start eating only fruits and vegetables, everyone turns into this nutritionist and being like, oh my God. And they start getting so worried about you, like you're going to become malnourished. But on the one hand, they're saying eat more fruits and vegetables. And then you start eating more fruits and vegetables. And they're worried about you becoming malnourished. It's it's funny to think about how things just, Uh people just don't really see those connections at all. Yeah, you know, and I think all that is really based in like the, like, because the, the eat your fruits and vegetables um, idea, I think this is just my, this is just uh, speculation on my part. But, um, you know, we, we attribute fruits and vegetables to the high, uh, like micronutrient um, content of those vegetables. And, and we never really were taught that protein is also within those as well. Um, we're always taught that there's like a separate, like you get your micronutrients and your immunity boosting foods, like fruits and vegetables. And then, and then like you get your calcium and your protein from like animal products. Like that's, kind of how we were like taught. And that's yeah. why I think a lot of people just think that you need to have all of it to get everything, but really fruits and vegetables have everything. So it's, it's not, it's not the case that we need um, meat, dairy and eggs. So. No, exactly right. And just all plants have all essential amino acids mm-hmm. and plant milk, nut milks, they have 50% more calcium on average than does dairy yeah. per se. So, and on top of that, because the protein isn't sulfuric, it's not leaching calcium from your bones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To neutralize the acidity. So you're actually getting the full benefits of the calcium and you're getting more calcium from drinking non-dairy milk. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you're not getting, you know, the IGF uh, boosting protein and, and all that. So there's, there's, there's plenty of reasons to, to switch from like dairy milk to plant milk and, and all that. So. Totally. Well, so from a fitness standpoint, because you're also an online personal trainer, what are the benefits of a plant-based diet on human health and performance? Sure. Um, so, you know, when it comes to like health outcome data, I mean, we see that vegans have the lowest um, incidence of, uh, of like heart disease, uh, different kinds of cancer, including prostate. Um, so, you know, our, our rates of chronic disease are significantly lower. And that, that's not to say that if you just go vegan per se, you know, you'll experience those things. Um, of course, if you eat Oreos and, and chips, I, you know, there's, 
I doubt you're going to have better health outcomes than an omnivore who eats majority whole foods, but some animal products on the side. So it's important that we don't get this idea in our head that being vegan per se will just make you extremely healthy. So, so just I had to add that disclaimer because when I answer this question, it's going to be more based in a whole foods plant-based diet, diet yeah. not just right. veganism. Right, exactly. But yeah, so I mean, I would say, you know, I have way less inflammation and that's probably from the increased uh, anti-inflammatories that come from eating a whole, fi- whole food plant-based vegan diet. Uh, my recovery is faster. Um, that's also probably from the, the increased um, anti-inflammatories and um, the antioxidants as well help a lot. And uh, I, I don't want to say that I'm stronger in the gym because I'm vegan, but it is the, it is the case that for example, my bench press and everything are, are higher than they ever were when I was a, an omnivore. And I, and I say this just to make the point that you can do what you can do on an omnivore diet also with a, uh, a vegan diet. So yeah, so generally I would say the benefits are just, I just feel better. I have higher energy and um, my inflammation is, is less. And yeah, and of course this is all anecdotal. I mean, like everything I'm saying, at least when I say I feel this way, I feel that way. You know, people say it about the keto diet. People say it about the carnivore diet, even too. So I don't always like to go off of of uh, talking about my subjective experiences. Instead, I like to go off of like health outcome data, like what I said at the beginning of this answer about how we have the lowest incidences of, um, of multiple kinds of chronic disease and and all that. So I would say those are the, in a nutshell, the the benefits I see and feel on a vegan diet. <laughs> That's awesome. And those, I mean, me too, those are some of the things that I have been experiencing as well. But I really do like how you approach this from a very truthful lens and you give both sides of the argument because as a professional nutrition coach and personal trainer myself, I will tell you that you can get in great shape and stay in great shape eating meat and animal products. I'm proof of that as I used to eat meat and animal products all the way through college when I was playing football in college. And I was in amazing shape then and I'm I'm still in in the same shape now. Mm -hmm. The difference is how I feel overall, how much I recover, um, just the inflammation in my body. I noticed that looking at some pictures from then and versus now. Uh, especially during the winter when I'm just at a naturally heavier weight because I'm trying to gain more muscle during that time. And so I'm eating more calories. Seeing my face for now versus then, I feel like I was more inflamed then than I am now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in terms, of, in terms of strength and everything, it's really at, at the end of the day, it comes down to calories in, calories out yeah. on a surface level. But really what's going to make the difference on what's going on inside your body is what you're eating. And that's where the plant-based diet, whole foods, plant-based diet, not just veganism, because you can be vegan and eat Oreos and tons of vegan junk food and be Mm -hmm. very unhealthy, but it's the whole foods, plant-based vegan diet. Yeah. Absolutely. man. Absolutely. And, and, uh, that's something that I think, uh, I'd say like a lot of, um, new vegans, even myself, when I was like, Tenth and eleventh grade, not vegan yet, but experimenting with plant-based stuff. You know, you get under this weird conception. If you don't look into nutritional science, you get into this weird conception like, oh, if it's vegan, it must be healthy. But like, that's not the case. Like, the refined sugar is vegan. Oil is a vegan. Um, You know, sodium is vegan. So there's there's things that that are vegan that aren't per se healthy when you have them in significantly high amounts. So, um, yeah. 
Totally. So, so what are some of the common misconceptions that you see spread through the vegan community? Uh, so since it's, that was the first one, I would say just what I said about how oh, if something is vegan, it must be healthy. That's definitely not the case. Um, recently with this coronavirus, you know, a lot of people are saying that um, we know conclusively that it was caused by uh, animal agriculture. And that's not to say, that's not to say that it wasn't my, my disagreement. It's just that we don't actually know at the moment. And the reason for that is because there are thousands of um, coronaviruses actually, and this is a unique one, like COVID-19, um, COVID-19. And um, there's been genome studies of the coronavirus that affects bats and uh, pangolins. And those, those coronaviruses are way more similar than the one that right now is affecting humans. And there's a receptor binding protein that um, is unique to the, the pangolin and the bat coronavirus that, um, that uh, hasn't yet been analyzed in relation to the new COVID-19 coronavirus that's affecting human beings. So we don't actually know if these are directly connected. We don't know if one derived from the other. It just isn't conclusive. And as much as I would like the, uh, it to be factual and proven that the, uh, this coronavirus that is causing all these problems right now um, to be caused from animal products, as much as I would like that, we just don't know it. And the reason I'm saying I would like it, of course, is because it would give the vegan movement more power. But again, like I come from a place of facts and, and reason, and I'm not going to spread information just because it's going to help the vegan movement. I don't think in this case that the ends justifies the means of, uh, of lying. So I would say the coronavirus, I just want to bring that one up because it's probably the most relevant uh, misconception at the moment that's going on. Um, so there's actually one that I believe for a while, uh, and uh, just of late, I've, I've, I've come to counter information on this, which is the, the idea that humans are um, herbivores. Now, I thought this for a long time, and you know, this might trigger a lot of people, but you can look into the research yourself. Um, humans, uh, there's a lot of uh, misconceptions about B12, right? And how we used to get uh, an adequate supply from uh, dirty water supply and the dirt that was uh, on fruits and vegetables back in the day. But if you actually look at the, the, the uh, data, we did not um, get an adequate supply from uh, dirt and, and uh, dirty water supplies. And we actually got it from animals. So if human beings cannot um, exist without, because, because, you know, we use B12 supplements on B12 fortification, which is, um, which is artificial, right. Which is like from a lab. And um, if, if you would, we would never call a species herbivorous who couldn't naturally live on an herbivorous diet. Right. So if I can prove deductively, if we, if we just accept the premise, and I know that nobody here has looked into the research yet, but let's just assume that you did. And we found out that um, we actually, it is a fact that humans could not um, live on a solely herbivorous diet. and we, need, we needed to eat animals to get our B12 back in the day. So this is, um, this is hypothetical right now. This is, this is, so this is hypothetical, although it is, ba it is based in reality. I'm just saying, uh, because I don't, I don't have the time in this podcast to, to relay the actual research, but let's just assume that it exists because it does, and you read it and you and you accept it, right? Um, that humans got our B12 from uh, animals. We would never call a species herbivorous who couldn't not live on a naturally herbivorous diet, okay? And if humans can't do that, then I would say that we how how could you call us uh, an herbivore if you would never call a species that also can't live on a naturally herbivorous diet um, an herbivore? So. It's, this is something that, that there's a guy named Dr. Abi. He is the doctor who um, helps prepare James Wilkes, the creator of the Game Changers, 
um, in his debate on Joe Rogan with Chris Kresser. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that debate. It's a great debate. Um, but Dr. Avi, he's this new and up and coming doctor who is one of the most empirical um, plant-based doctors I've ever seen. And he, he raises these kinds of points. He even debated uh, Mike the Vegan on this. And Mike the Vegan is someone that I really look up to. I mean, he's, he's a very factually based guy. But uh, so even him, he has some contention with him, contention with. So um, yeah, I think it's something that everyone should look into. Um, and I also just want to make the point that it's okay if we find out that the vegan diet um, isn't natural because what is natural shouldn't even be telling us like what our actions should be. There's a lot of things that are natural that um, aren't good. You know, for example, killing and uh, and rape. So we can't we can't really be appealing. It's called the appeal to nature fallacy. You know, when uh, when non vegans will say things like oh, uh, eating meat is natural, therefore it's moral. But we, there's plenty of things that are natural that aren't good. So I'm just, my point here is that um, we shouldn't need to rely on the vegan diet being natural to make our points because of, like assuming you accept the, um, the fact that the appeal to nature fallacy is valid um, and you think that it is a fallacy to call something good because it's natural. So if you accept that, then you know, it's, it's okay that we discover that the vegan diet isn't really natural. And, that, and that's fine because you can achieve great health outcomes from a diet that isn't natural. So if that is the case, why would you care about whether or not it is, it's natural or not, right? So in the end, we should be caring about what's healthy and what's most ethical and what's most environmentally friendly. And the vegan diet can be all of those three things without necessarily being natural. So um, yeah, but that, 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 I know that was a long thing, but that's a new misconception that I've actually recently discovered. And I've been trying to spread it on my page a little bit, but it's very controversial and a lot of vegans... Um, take issue with it like you, you might even like who, who knows but uh yeah it's really it's really uh, interesting stuff so this is just another example but i would say those are some, some of the misconceptions i see um, within well, the like, I would, I, i'm actually curious to learn more because i too like yourself from a, a number of other studies and research was up until this point led to believe that we were more herbivorous especially when you look at our digestional tract and when you look yeah. at beef, we don't and then when you look at our hands where yeah. we, and the naturally gifted speed that we have, yes, you know, there's yeah. people who can run really fast, mm -hmm. but we're not running at the speed to where we can hunt down other animals. We don't have the teeth to just dive right, at right. an animal and take it down or the claws to take that animal down with our bare hands and then to eat it yeah. without cooking it. Oh, yeah, totally. These are all the reasons that I like all the anatomical features that lead led me to believe the same thing that we were herbivorous. So I would actually like you to go in a little bit more on the study and the research. If you are able to elaborate so, more on this, so I don't, study. I don't have the, the specific numbers on me, but um, there's this discord called it's from ask yourself. And he uh, asked yourself the YouTuber I explained earlier who, who, um, who came up with the name, the trade argument. And so him and Dr. Avi are, are pretty close and, they have a discord and there's a, there's a thread within the discord called like study archives. And, um, that's where all the research is. And, and Dr. Abi has it there. So I, I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but we can like assume that everything I'm saying is factual. Um, and, and, um, you, you come to the conclusion that like we actually couldn't absorb an adequate amount of B12 just solely from natural sources outside of eating animals back in the day. Now I know, I know I'm not giving you guys the actual numbers, so you have no reason to believe what I'm saying at this moment, but because I can't, again, I can't just relay it off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, assuming that premise, um, I would say that 
I'm unsure how we could call the human species herbivorous if we actually can't because because B12 deficiencies are really severe. And so when they occur, like um, you can have various neurological issues, um, you can even die. So um, if we theoretically can't survive on a on a naturally herbivorous diet, then I would I have some contention with calling the human species an herbivore because I would never call another species that couldn't survive on a naturally herbivorous diet and herbivore. So understood. That, so that's my reasoning there. Um, but so yeah, it's and, and still again, hypothetical. I, this isn't fact yeah. yet. This is still hypothetical, theoretical. Oh no, I, I would say the it, research it, or I'm is it it's, fact? It's, it's fact. It's fact. I'm just saying that like uh, to that I can't give you the full on numbers. So I'm saying like I want you to assume that I was like Dr. Avi right now or something, or I could okay. and I would I would be here and I would explain all the numbers. Um, but I, I'm just being honest. I don't have them on me, so I'm not going to try to uh, defend it. But I, I wanted to like put the put the idea out there just to get people to look into it because it's something kind of new um, that uh, that Dr. Abi has recently put forth, and I've never seen it um, refuted. I've watched him debate people on it, and um, he always has the the superior data and uh, superior methodology within the studies he's citing. And uh, yeah, so that's that's just my take. But yeah, don't don't take my word for it. I I, I want you guys to look into the actual research so 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 speaking on where you get your research from you say dr avi he is one person uh, mike the vegan is another ask yourself who are some more you know influencers that out there and doctors yeah. and where are some of the studies that you usually pull from for your research and your not knowledge on veganism yeah uh so i think vegan gains is really good when it comes to like heart disease research i know vegan gains um is a controversial figure in the vegan movement in the vegan movement because of his rather aggressive uh, um, tactics. But I would say beyond his personality, he's a very he's very good at a nutritional research. Um, so vegan gains is one of them. Like you said, Mike the vegan, um, Dr. Abi. Um, I think Dr. Greger from nutritionfacts.org is also really good. Now, now even this is kind of just interesting, but Abi has been trying to um, debate Dr. Greger on a number of claims that he doesn't find to be true. And I haven't seen Dr. Avi um, actually showcase why yet, but uh, so that it's just interesting. It's cool to see plant-based doctors just um, it, um, fighting in pursuit of the truth. And I think that's a good thing because it shows intellectual honesty within our movement. It shows that we're not just ideologues and people that just want to spread a message just because it's going to help veganism. I think it's, it's great that we have um, a fight for the truth, even within um, the vegan movement, but I would say, you know, yeah, Dr. Greger, um, vegan gains. There's somebody named Corey McCarthy as well. He's a, he's like a vegan, um, bodybuilder on YouTube. He has not that many subscribe subscribers, but he's also pretty solid, um, with research. And yeah, just, just, just a side thing here. I, I would say anybody who's listening, that's into nutritional science and wanting, wants to get into lifting and all that. And I'm sure you know this, um, you should always look for people that, uh, site research for their claims. I mean, there is a ton of bro science out there, even within the plant-based um, vegan community too. So um, it's important that, that you always follow people that, that site research for their claims because without research, it's just pure conjecture and, and you really don't know what is true like when they're not citing research. So yeah, I would say though, though those are the, uh, the people I would follow. Awesome. No, that's, that's very helpful. Uh, some of those people that I followed myself and some that I'm, I'm, uh, I'm new to now and I'm definitely going to go look up uh, because I, I agree with you. It's always important to continue your education and to continue your learning and to make sure that you're 
getting the facts and you're getting the truth. And I really appreciate you for coming from this unbiased, truthful lens because I preach that myself. I'm very honest. I'm very transparent. I think that's the way to be. So much respect to you. I, I really yeah. appreciate you um, you coming from this this lens. Now, one thing I wanted to ask you, in terms of activism, how did you personally become an activist? Yeah, uh, so I, I have always had a love for um, debate in general. And when I went vegan initially in, um, when I was in 12th grade, you know, I had all my friends that were not vegan and they wanted to debate me on it. And um, of course, I would debate them on it. And, you know, I'd get into like Facebook arguments with people, Instagram arguments with people. And that's what I was doing at first. So that, you know, you can call that activism. I don't really know. Probably not. But um, in a way, I guess you can say it is. But eventually, I was in college two years later. So I was, I was about two years into being vegan. And I was a psych major. And my club, because I joined an animal rights club, uh, got a PETA-funded trip to North Carolina. And it was a bunch of animal rights activists from across the southeastern side of, of the U.S., coming together and, and just doing activism related things. There was, it was a workshop. We talked about ways to speak to people and it was, it was cool. And it was a really good time. And, and then the weekend I would say was sort of like epitome for me. And I, I was like, wow, I, I really want to do a form of activism and outreach as a career. So, um, I got back from North Carolina. I changed my major to, um, human communications. And I asked the president of the club of the animal rights club, if I can be an officer, for the outreach because nobody was interested in doing the outreach part of our club, which outreach essentially just means to stand outside with a table, with a sign and talk to people about veganism, about ethics, about why they should uh, go vegan, why um, all the, you know, all the benefits. And so I took charge of that and I started to do it. And it was a great outlet for me in terms of debating because I love debating, but also it was a great outlet for me to spread the message. And then once I got into that, I was like, Oh, I wonder, if I, what, what would happen if I made an Instagram just solely dedicated to like fitness and, and, uh, and ethics, like vegan activism. And then I started it around after that North Carolina trip. And then, uh, yeah. And then from there on, I just, in my, my account kind of just molded slowly and it's still changing to this day, you know, but yeah, that's how I started with activism. That's awesome. I really like that. It just, it kind of shows the whole transitional period in your life and then really taking that next big step and saying, wow, this is, I'm really passionate about this. It was so passionate that you went and you switched your major entirely and yeah. just making that, making that leap and, and going forward within your own group and saying, Hey, you know, I want to take charge of this. I really like that. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. I think that's actually a perfect segue into our creative segment, Growth Spurts and Growing Pains, where we do this at the end of every show, and we ask a recent growth spurt that you've had, which is an accomplishment that you're proud of, health, work, or life related, but then also a growing pain, something that you're still trying to get better with, also health, work, or life related. So let's start right at the top. What is a recent growth spurt of yours? Yeah, man. Uh, so I, I recently did like a four month, uh, bulk and I was in eating in a caloric surplus for a while. And I was, a lot of my efforts were geared towards gaining size and strength. So I put zero time into like cardiovascular work and, um, mobility training. So by the end of the bulk, I mean, I felt like a very immobile, uh, non-functional, <laughs> like uh, juice, like meathead almost. Right. So in the, la in the last month or so, I started prioritizing um, stretching again, 
I started to just, just mobility work in general. And I just feel so much better. I mean, I, I forgot what it was even like to just be, to just feel mobile, like, you know, to, to pick up something from the floor and, and, and have no insane tightness and like hamstrings and all that. So, um, that's probably what I've, uh, what I've improved upon recently. How about you? Oh, uh, in, in health. Yeah, that's, that's really good. And well, uh, just before I answer that question, why, why did you go into this bulk period of really just focusing on like extremely just focusing on strength and size? Yeah. Uh, so for the longest time before this bulk, I was, I was really just maintaining a, cal- a caloric deficit for a bit, trying to stay lean um, for like social media. And I also was doing um, a lot of calisthenics training, like with gymnastics rings and just focusing on remaining light. And over time I was like thinking, uh, oh, no, I just want to get bigger. I want to uh, just for the sake of the, of me, of course. And then, uh, the vegan movement, you know, the, the, to be, to be bigger is to give us even more of a name in terms of being able to gain muscle on a plant-based diet, which, you know, not that many people think so, and strength. So I, I thought maybe for four months I would just um, instead, because I've been on a deficit for a while, like almost a year and a half. So I, I hadn't done uh, a a serious bulk in a long time. And I was like, hmm, I think it's about time I put on some muscle and see how far I can take it. And uh, yeah, so that, that was why I went on that bulk. That's awesome. That's really good motivation. And um, <laughs> to be quite honest, I was not expecting you to ask me <laughs> what my own growth spurt is recently. I've never had any guests ask me oh, that so far. So I had to, I had to kind of defer for a little, I guess. Yeah. But short because you know this this is uh, your episode and I want I want you to be doing most of the talking. But yeah. to keep it short, some recent uh, growth spurts of mine are one I launched Plant Strength Radio. So as you know, this is season one of the podcast, and this is something I you know been working on for a while now, and I've really wanted to get launched. So I'm happy that it's here and that all of you guys are listening. I hope you've been enjoying uh, all of the episodes so far. And then the other one is I published my book, uh, The Winner's Manual, Take Control of Your Life on New Year's Day of this year. And uh, that was also something I've been working on for a super long time, but I'm so happy that that it's finally out there. Um, yeah, but I, I was yeah. not expecting you to ask me that yeah. question in return. Oh, yeah, no, maybe I shouldn't have asked you because now, I've, not that this is a competition, but now I feel like my stretching... Uh, growth is just meaningless you know launching a book in a, in a radio show no 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 not not at all not at all no, I'm just kidding. I'm just it kidding. is it is it's super like like that is very important for your health and being yeah, very well-rounded um i think that was a great growth spurt of yours because it just kind of showed how you can get caught up on just focusing solely on one thing and obviously you had a really good reason for doing that but in mm-hmm. terms of just your health and being an online personal trainer, you kind of got to see what actually happens firsthand when you don't put the emphasis on being fully well-rounded and stretching mm-hmm. and doing cardio. You, you That's what it's really about is making yourself the most well-rounded athlete mm-hmm. that you can, whether you're an athlete and you participate in sports or regular activities, or if you're just more just kind of living your life and doing things on the weekend focusing on your overall athleticism just makes you healthier overall and makes you better. Um, but anyway, so in terms of a growing pain, kind of the opposite of that, what is something that you're still trying to get better with? Yeah. Uh, so I'm trying, I've been meaning to do this for a couple months now. Um, so I want to begin, uh, actually filming my street debates with people because 
you know, on Instagram, I have this thing. If you guys go to my page, you'll, my page, you'll see, I have these things called change my mind signs and they'll say something rather controversial. Like for example, um, there is no moral difference between killing and eating a pig and killing and eating a dog and change my mind. And so, so at the end, it's sort of like an invitation for, uh, for discussion or, or even debate. And people always ask me like, you know, Oh, you got to film, you got to film these. Like, why don't you film these? You know, you know, like it's just something I've been like hesitating to do for no real good reason. Just sort of like, uh, you know, stepping out of your comfort zone kind of thing. And it's crazy because if you were to come with me one day and do activism, you would see like actually doing the conversations and all that I'm, I'm beyond comfortable. I just need somebody like behind the camera, like with that, just to, to just film it, you know? So um, yeah, so it's just something that I've been like hes- hesitating to do probably out of laziness. It's not really a, a good reason, but, um, yeah, so that's probably what I need to improve on. I love it. And it's, it's actually a gross word of my or growing pain of mine that I've, mm-hmm. in terms of just getting out there and doing that outreach, that street activism, that isn't something that I've really done with gone out there with a purpose, have a sign set up. I know I'm going to be there for a few hours, just trying to talk to people. I talk to people all the time whenever I can about veganism, but I haven't done anything like that with a purpose. So yeah. I would definitely say that's a growing pain too of my, of my own. So we'll have to link up soon and, uh, and yeah, we'll man. just, we'll both break that for each other. We'll make sure to bring some yeah. cameras some microphones and we'll get it done. And we'll, we'll spread oh, yeah. the of vegan vibes. Just a tip for you because in case you haven't done it yet, but if you have muscle, which I, I know you do, I've seen it. Um, it's a good, it's, it sounds kind of funny, but it's a real thing. If you wear a, a tank top, like while doing outreach, it, it eliminates the uh, protein question from being asked because people just see that you have some sort of muscle mass on you. Like, um, so a lot of times I'll, when I'm doing outreach, um, with my club, it'll be like me and like, you know, eight other people, you know, five of which are probably girls because, um, you know, uh, from the male to female ratio within the vegan movement is, is, is insane. Like it's, it's like, like one what's, ten, yeah, it's um, like one and what so it's like 70, 30 female. Yeah. Like something like that. It's just, it's crazy. So, um, so whenever someone asks about protein, they just point to me or point to like another dude in the, in the club that, that lifts. And it just, it like helps, it just helps give your message more, uh, power, especially to bros. A lot of bros come up and they just, you know, they're like meat, meat, protein, whey, protein, like chicken breast, all that. Uh, you know that it's, it's <laughs> other brains are just unfortunately i was yeah. one of them too, yeah, that, too. I'm, I'm, I'm projecting my past when i say that so yeah it's hilarious it's so funny just yeah. perspectives when we look back on how we used to look at things to versus how we look at them now i i love just seeing that because it just shows the growth spurts that we've made over time mm-hmm. uh personally yeah, exactly. i really like that that's awesome. Danny, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, you've given so much great information. I loved everything that we talked about. And I'm going to be applying a lot of this stuff to going forward. And just, I've already given me a lot of ways for how I can improve my own debates with people using the Socratic method, using the name the trait argument. I think that is a great one, the name the trait. I'm definitely going to use that going forward. So I really appreciate you and all of your insight. It's a pleasure being here, man. So it's always it's it's one of my goals, bro, with my um, with my uh, social media, you know, to help people get better with the debate. So I'm glad that that's how that's how you ended up taking it. So yeah, yeah, no. And so speaking on your social media, before we wrap up the show, let people know. I, I so it's at lifting underscore vegan underscore logic. Yeah, that, that's my Instagram. Instagram. 
Yeah. And then on YouTube, it is, it's just lifting vegan logic. And then on Twitter, it's uh, at vegan underscore uh, logic. So just vegan logic, basically. Lifting vegan logic was too, too much for the, uh, the, uh, the amount of characters. Uh, so yeah, on my Instagram, you know, it's a lot of like funny posts slash fitness posts slash controversial, um, posts related to veganism on Twitter. I'm a bit more of a, a bit of a, more of a savage, I guess, you know, kind of, there's some sort of unspoken rule on Twitter where you get to just be a bit more like feisty for some reason. And then uh, on YouTube, I have a lot more videos related to going in depth with a lot of the things you heard me explaining earlier in this video with uh, the logical argumentation, how to respond to specific um, arguments. Because, you know, on Instagram, there's only so much I could put within one post. So um, YouTube, I feel like I have more room to, uh, to explain myself. Whereas on Instagram, it's a bit more of a short-term um, face value kind of a vibe. So um, yeah, so that, that's, that's my three uh, social medias. I'm not on Facebook. Uh, well, I, I am, but I just don't use it like ever. So I just... I'm not going to suggest that, but uh, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Awesome, man. And, and if, is there anything else that you'd like to add before we wrap things up? Uh, maybe, I mean, maybe just, I kind of already said this before, but just, uh, or maybe it was, it was implied. Uh, just when you're, if you're going to operate as an activist or, you know, you're in the vegan, the vegan community and all that, just remember not to be um, an ideologue, you know, somebody that argues from ideology like always just be somebody that's in pursuit of the truth you know you don't want to be one of these vegans that um end up spreading misinformation and then you end up turning off someone who isn't vegan yet who is very fact-based and, and looks into research and sees that what you're saying isn't um valid right so you just always make sure that you are fact-based about the claims you make try to verify things that people say especially things that are related to nutrition and um and all that so yeah, because there's just a lot of things that there's a lot of things I want to be factual that would help the vegan movement that aren't that I see people spreading, and uh, I just don't think it's healthy. So, mm-hmm. awesome! I think that's uh, that's definitely a great way to end the show right there. Always come from an honest, unbiased, truthful lens, and apply that principle of honesty and transparency to your life and to to everyone that you are involved with so thank you again danny for coming on the show and until the next until the next one guys i'm your host bobby lynch and this is plant strength radio plant strength radio is hosted by bobby lynch produced and edited by kiwan harrison special thanks to our guest danny lifting vegan logic if you would like to hear more podcasts like this please like share and subscribe on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever podcasts can be streamed. To learn more about Plant Strength, the company behind this podcast, please visit www.plantstrengthperformance.com or follow us on social media at Plant Strength Performance. Plant Strength, sustainability for mind, body, soul, and the environment. Thank you for listening.